wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. Welcome to this episode of Bleeding Daylight. Please connect with us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And please share episodes that you enjoy with others. It's been said that we all worship something or someone. Even people who lay no claim to any kind of faith at all worship something beyond themselves. Today's guest is someone who not only worships God, but helps others understand worship and how it connects to purpose in our lives. She'll help you grow your view of worship and how it touches every area and season of life. Donna Patrick is a speaker, award-winning author, musician, choir director, worship leader, writer, radio host and podcaster. She's been teaching and leading for over 35 years. She's passionate about helping people discover and live out their purpose. It's my great honour to have her on Bleeding Daylight today. Donna, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Rodney, for having me. I'm very excited to be with you tonight. It sounds like you're an incredibly busy lady with all those things that I mentioned in the introduction. What does daily life look like for you? Well, right now, daily life looks for me, Rodney, I'm really passionate about worship ministry. And so I'm on staff at my church. And so I stay busy there preparing for rehearsals, teaching new music, training my choir members and my praise team and what it really means to be a worshiper, what it really means. And I also train my congregation. So on a daily basis, I stay very busy with that. I also stay very busy with my trainings as far as teaching people that you really do have a purpose and God wants you to walk out that purpose. So I'm always thinking of ways, Rodney, to help people better understand what purpose really is and why it's important to them. So I spend a lot of time doing that. Now, you're someone who believes it's incredibly important to live your life in your unique purpose. But sometimes that can be really difficult when we face the pains that life can bring. Tell me about some of the pains that that you've had to to walk through in life. Oh my goodness, where do I start? (laughs) Where do I start? You know, Rodney, as much as we love the Lord, as much as we love the Lord, you're absolutely right. There are difficult days that come, but Jesus said that. Jesus told us that in this world, you're going to have some problems, but be of good cheer. That, that he said he's already overcome. But, you know, Rodney, I'll share something with you. The first thing that comes to mind, some years ago, my sister Jackie was killed in a burglary attempt on her home. And that was the first time that death had come to our immediate family. And so we were just torn apart. But I want to share the questions, the questions, the confusion. You know, we may never know why. And, and something that I never did, I never asked God why, but I did go through a severe depression, Rodney, some point after that, you know, after the funeral, I still had to go to work. I still had to go to church. I still had to, life went on, life went on in my broken state, but I had to continue to ask God to help me walk through that process. And I still had to go to work. I wasn't focused. I I almost lost my job because of it. 
I was short with people. I had a temper. I was mean. And that was all part of the depression and the grief that I was going through. But Rodney, God came through for me. And, and, and this went on for a while. But when I, the worst part of it, Rodney, was that I couldn't pray. I didn't know what to say to God. I wasn't angry at him. I wasn't angry at him, but I didn't know what to say. I was hurting so bad. My heart was so broken. I didn't know what to say to God, but God was faithful. God was faithful. And, and I eventually got to the point where I could pray. I said, God, help me. I can't do this by my, I can't do this. It's just too hard. But God came through for me and God healed my hurt. He eventually healed my heart. And the healing began to come, Rodney, when I got to the point where I could really pray and humble myself before God and allow him to bring the healing. And he did that. It's interesting that your life is is all about worship. It's all about giving glory to God. And yet there are times when that is difficult. And I guess it's it's essential that we start with that point. We're not saying that everything is wonderful because we, we get the idea of worship as this time of, of great joy and this great happiness, and it can definitely be that. But we need to recognize that unless it's real in the difficult times, it's not real at all, is it? I agree, Rodney. I completely agree. And, and you're so right. Being a praiser and a worshiper does not mean that we won't experience trials in life. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be great. What it does mean in the days when things are not so great, when you're heartbroken, when you don't understand what God is doing, when you can't see God's hand in your life, what it does mean is that when you do praise him in the midst of your pain, when you do worship him in the midst of your pain, it takes the focus off of your pain and puts it on God who can alleviate the pain. It's not that the pain won't come. It's just that being a lifestyle praiser and a worshiper will keep your focus where it belongs. And that is on the healer who can take away the pain. It's interesting that perhaps the, the most well-known worship director throughout time is, is David, who wrote the Psalms. And, and there's a lot within the Psalms where he actually goes to God and he takes his pain, he takes his confusion yes. to yes. God. And yet we don't yes. see that a lot in churches today. Why do you think that is? Well, well, Rodney, I'm glad. That's a very good question. That is a very good question, and it's a very valid question. Rodney, I think today in the church we have gotten so caught up in great music and rock star worship leaders and rock star pastors and our big buildings and our cushy pews and the, the, the great big, all the real estate that we sit on. I think we've become much too concerned about the externals that we have forgotten. We have put worship on the back burner. That is my that is my take on that, Rodney. But but we have to understand. We've got to understand that Jesus said that God wants worshipers to do so in spirit and in truth. I believe if, to a large degree we've gotten away from that, and sometimes we gloss over that. And it's a familiar passage, but I think we read it so quickly and we're so familiar with it that we take for granted 
the kind of worship that God really wants, that really has nothing to do with the music or the externals or the stage presence or the stage props and all of that. The kind of worship that God wants, it's from the heart and it it must be sincere. He said in spirit, meaning Holy Spirit driven, and in truth, meaning based upon the truth of the word of God. And, and Rodney, I think we've gotten away from that to a large degree. I know that you've said that being in the, in the praise team, in the worship team up front of churches is not really the place to learn how to worship. Explain right. some of that to me. A lot of times, a lot of times we feel like if I get on the praise team, I'm a worshiper. And that's not necessarily the case because worship begins in the heart. Worship and praise are both matters of the heart. And if you want to be on the praise team, that's a great thing. But you need to be tied into God's heart before you get there. That's what I mean by that. That that coming to the praise team is not the place to become a worshiper. You've got to be a worshiper before you. And, and, and Rodney, the reason I say that, the reason I say that is because being on the praise team is a position of leadership and people are watching us. And the job of the praise team is to engage the congregation, engage them in a journey that you've already been on yourself before you came to the team. Before Sunday morning, you and God were engaged in worship, whether it was at home, whether it was on your job, whether it was in your prayer closet, because worship is a matter of the heart. It's not a matter of a position of this is my this is my title that I'm, I'm fulfilling a job description. No, no, no. That's not what worship is. Worship is a matter of the heart. And I could be on the praise team. But if my heart is not connected to God's heart, well, then I'm just standing there singing. And I can't lead anybody anywhere that I have not been myself. And of course, a lot of the time you are talking to various church leaders and and helping them with their worship team. And so obviously you're helping them to see something deeper than just making sure that the band is playing well, making sure that the singers are singing well, making sure that the the lyrics of the songs that they're singing are appropriate. It's something deeper that I'm hearing from you. It, It is. It is. It is, Rodney. It's a matter of the heart. And remember that back in the Old Testament, God required total worship. God required worship. Remember when the tabernacle was built, the tabernacle of Moses was built and God back in the book of Exodus and God was giving Moses very strict directions. He gave very strict instructions in how he wanted the tabernacle built, how he wanted it constructed, even down to the furniture and the the, the, the furnishings, the furnishings of the temple. God gave very clear instructions in how he wanted it made. And the one thing that he told Moses, he said, build a tabernacle as a place for me to dwell. God was very clear about that. He said, Moses, I want you to build a place for me to dwell. So it really wasn't about the building. It wasn't about the furnishings. It wasn't about the people who come in. God wanted a place for him to dwell. 
for himself to dwell. And that's why he was so specific with Moses about building the tabernacle, even about constructing the furnishings of it, because it was all about God. And and a lot of times, as you mentioned earlier in our conversation, too often it's about the building, the the externals, the, the building, the furniture, the great music. And that's not what God is after at all. God wants a heart that is pure and true. God got upset with the priests in Malachi chapter one because they were accepting sacrifices that God had not ordered. God said, bring me the first, bring me the best. And they were bringing, the priests were accepting lame, diseased animals as acts of worship. And God was not pleased with that. And so now do we have to be perfect to come into the presence of God in worship? No, of course not. Of course not. But we do need to come with a sincere, a pure heart, ready to receive from him, ready to meet him in the experience. You do talk a lot about living in your purpose and you're helping people to to find what that purpose is and to live in it. How do you go about doing that? The first thing, first thing, you know, Rodney, you know how people feel like they don't have a purpose. Some people feel I don't have a purpose. What is my purpose? Did God give me a purpose? Well, through, through workshops, and seminars, I help people understand, yes, you definitely do. You do have a purpose. God gave all of us a purpose. And I just help them to understand that they are valuable to God and God has given them a purpose and God has given them someone or some people to serve in that purpose. And then they ask me, well, how do I go about doing that? Well, You know, again, look deep inside yourself. What are you passionate about? What is you're so passionate about? What is it that you would do for free if you had to? That's how much you love it. That is one way you can tap into your purpose. Another way that you can tap into your purpose is what bothers you? There's probably something in in many of us that bothers you. And the reason it bothers you is because there's something, God has put something inside of you to change that thing, to change that status quo. That's, that's why it bothers you. And so your purpose might be tied to what bothers you. Your purpose might be tied to what you're so passionate about. And the other thing about purpose, I help people understand, Rodney, that the reason that you've got a purpose and the reason God gave it to you is to serve someone else. I help people understand that purpose is not just, if it's from God, if it is from God, your purpose is not just for you. Your purpose will always serve someone else. And a lot of times we might miss that in purpose. If it's just, if it's all about you, then it's not from God. But if you have this thing inside of you and you want to serve others with it, well, then that may well be, that may be tied to your purpose from God. Do you often find that people, because they have a natural skill or talent or they believe that there's something that they're just naturally good at, they don't see that this is the gifting that God has given them? They don't see that this is part of their purpose? 
Sometimes. Because sometimes we just look at it as a natural gift or a natural talent. But yeah, sometimes they don't always view it as this is my purpose. Once you've discovered that purpose, once you've found that this is something that God has placed inside of me mm-hmm. as, a, as a purpose, mm-hmm. I know that you help people to enter into that purpose and walk in that purpose through worship. Tell me about the, the link that there is in worship and, and following through on our purpose. Oh, wow. Another great question. Another great question. I love it. I love it. Rodney, what God has shown me is that, first of all, worship is, is not something that we do. It's who we are because God has placed an element of worship in all of us. God expects all of us to worship him in spirit and in truth. In Psalm 150, we see that it says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So all of us, no matter who you are, where you come from, all of us are under divine mandate to praise and to worship God. But to your question, because worship flows through every thread of us, Everything that we do in life, Rodney, we can tie it to the worship of God because worship starts with him. First of all, worship starts with him. And because he made us, God put an element of worship. We're all under divine mandate to worship him. So everything about us, everything about us, mind, body and soul points to worship. God can use any piece of us any piece of us. If you're in school and you're completing your assignments, that is an act of your worship because God gave you the wherewithal to go to that class. He gave you the wherewithal and the brain power to write those papers, complete those assignments. It's all an act of worship. Now, let me get to the purpose part. Because God has given all of us a purpose, your purpose and your worship are connected because When you walk in your purpose, it's pleasing to him, especially if you're walking in your purpose to serve others. And when and and Jesus, when Jesus walked the earth, he came, he said, I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. And so our purpose is wrapped up in our service to other people. And so when we worship God, we're serving him. And because worship flows through the very thread of our existence, that is where our purpose comes in. The two are connected because we are worshipers, because God created us so, and because he gave us a purpose to serve others. That is how I believe our purpose and our worship are definitely connected. There's this thread that is running through the things that you're saying. And first of all, we we understand, and and you're very much a part of this, having a worship team in a church and and having someone who can lead us in that musical worship, in that musical praise. But then that worship is so much more than that. When you see people who start to understand that there is worship that goes beyond a Sunday morning at church, it must be incredibly freeing for them. You must find those times when the lights just go on for people and they realize, I may not be good at music, but I can worship God with my whole life. Absolutely. 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 And and Rodney, when you look at John 
chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. Jesus said, in spirit and in truth. There's nothing in there about music, about instruments. How long was your rehearsal? How big is your church? Who is your bishop? Who is your director of music? None of that is in there. None of that is in there, which tells me that while we have music, we use music as a tool to praise and to worship God, but music is not what God requires. God requires a pure heart that is after him. Everything else falls under that. Music is second. Instruments are second. The worship leader is second. God wants a pure heart toward him. That is where our worship ought to be focused. And even if you might not be able to sing a note, you might, that may not be your gift. Maybe you cannot sing, but it doesn't matter to God. Doesn't matter to him. Because as long as your heart is connected to him, sing that song. You may be as off key as all get out, but you're singing that song to him. And that's all God cares about, a pure heart. You're singing out of a pure heart, a heart that is connected to him. That's what God cares about. I mentioned in the introduction that you're an author, and it's almost 10 years, coming up to 10 years, since your first book was published. And that was about helping people to understand truly what worship is. Tell me about that first book. Rodney, the first book is entitled At All Times. It's called At All Times, and the reason I named it that it is based on Psalm 34, verse 1. David told us, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. And if you read that passage, you'll notice that David did not qualify that statement. He, he didn't say, I will bless the Lord as long as I have the job I want, or as long as I have some money in the bank, or as long as I'm driving the car I want. He didn't say that. David said at all times. And I named the book that because I wanted people to understand that even though you're going through a rough time, even though things are dark for you right now, you still have a reason to praise God. You still have a reason because the fact that we go through things and Rodney, we've already talked about that in our conversation Because we go through things, that does not mean that God is any less God. He's still God. He still loves you. God still is there for you. He said he would never leave you. He would never leave us. And so that's a good reason to praise God. And so the whole premise of the book, Rodney, is to remind people, even though you're having it rough right now, you've still got a reason you still got a reason to praise God. That's the basic premise of the book. There's that old song that many would know, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, and, and it talks about even in, in difficult times, we, yes. we turn our eyes on him and things of earth grow strangely dim, and yet we know in the dark times it is really hard to lift our eyes. How, how do we begin to do that during those dark moments? You know, there are many ways. There are many ways, but I'll start here. First of all, Rodney, I like I like classic westerns. I love classic westerns. And and I remember in in the western when the sheriff caught up with the outlaws, the first thing they did was raise their hands in surrender, saying the fight is over. I'm caught, I can't go any further. 
the law has caught up with me. One way to begin the process out of the darkness and into praise is to lift our hands. And we can do that. We can do that as a sign of surrender, saying, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I'm hurting. My heart is broken. I'm in pain. But God, I'm going to lift my hands anyway, because I know you're God. I know you're sovereign. Lord, I surrender this situation. I surrender my pain to you. And the word of God uses lifting hands as an expression of worship. In the Psalms, we see where the psalmist tells us, lift up holy hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Paul told us in the New Testament to lift up holy hands as we pray. So one way to start that process, Rodney, just lift your hands. Your heart may be broken. You may be, you may not know which way to go, which way to turn. Lift your hands toward heaven and look up to him. And just throw yourself completely on the mercy and the presence of God. That's one way to begin that. Another way is to sing a song. Sing, Start singing to him. Just start singing to him. And when you start singing, it could be a hymn. It could be your favorite praise chorus. It doesn't matter what the song is. It's just so you're singing to him. And you're going to feel a peace. You're going to feel a peace come. The longer you sing, the longer you lift your hands, you're going to feel a peace that will come. And God will let you know, I'm here. I haven't left you. I haven't left you. I feel your pain. I see your tears. Rodney, I know what I'm talking about because I have done my share of crying. I've done my share of crying out to God because I didn't understand. But as I lifted my hands, as I, as I sang to him, then he began to bring peace. That's what I want to encourage somebody with. It's amazing how that physical act of, of raising hands, of, yeah. of opening our hands up to heaven can actually start to change the way we feel. Because so, so often in, in the Western world, we, we want to change the way we feel first. And yeah. yet you're saying it's kind of counterintuitive to actually make that physical motion of, of raising hands. And yet that's the thing that may well bring us closer to God in those dark times. You know what? You used the right word. I love that term. It's a perfect descriptive term. It is counterintuitive. It is to raise my hands to God when I feel so broken, when I feel so broken. All I want to do is crawl up in a ball and, and, and cry. But yet I know that my breakthrough is only going to come. God has my breakthrough. I can't do it myself. I've tried to break myself out of this, but it's not working. And so it is counterintuitive and it may not make a lick of sense, Rodney. It may not make any sense at all that when I'm so broken, I lift up my hands, but I do it anyway because God is yet God. The fact that I'm hurting does it mean God is any less God? So no, it doesn't, it doesn't, and it might not even feel right in the flesh. It might not even feel right, but you do it anyway. You do it anyway, because it's, it's called a sacrifice of praise. That's what that's called. As counterintuitive as it is, it's a sacrifice of praise. And Paul talks about that in the New Testament. Let us bring him 
the sacrifice of praise. And that is exactly what that means. Praising God when you really don't feel like it. Worshiping him when your flesh says otherwise. It's a sacrifice. I want to come back to this kind of worship that we so often have in churches because a lot of times people will go to a church, if the music's good, if the singing's good, you go home, you say, that was great worship because it made me feel good. And yet that's not the purpose of worship, is it? No, it isn't. No, it isn't, Rodney. It isn't. And you're absolutely right. It happens in churches all over the world. It happens in the States. It happens in churches all over the world. And it doesn't matter the size of the church. It may be a great big mega church, and then it may be a small church in the country by the side of a tree. God is not after the great music. That's not what God is after. But what you're saying, it happens all the time. It happens all the time. We think we've worshipped because we've heard a concert, for example. I'm not criticizing any anybody's church. I'm not doing that at all. That's not my intent. But but we think that because we've come, we've heard some great music, that we've worshipped, and that's not necessarily the case. Why? Because was your the question is, was your heart tied to his heart? Were you worshiping just for the great? Were you worshiping the singers? Were you worshiping the song or the worship leader or the pastor? Or were you worshiping God? That's the question we've got to ask ourselves. When we come out of these great, what we thought was a great worship experience, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, did I worship the great music or did I worship God? Did I go to meet the worship leader or did I go to meet God? That's the question we've got to ask ourselves. And we also see that worship as well as ascribing worth to the only one who is worthy to to receive our praise and our worship, it can also be used as a weapon in spiritual warfare. Help me to understand that a little better. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, Rodney, first of all, let me say spiritual warfare is real. Spiritual warfare is real. The enemy hates it when we praise God, especially if we're going through a rough time. He hates it when we turn our hearts to worship God, especially in a rough time, because the enemy wants us to focus on the problem, my pain my heartache. The enemy wants us to focus on that rather than experience the peace of God in the midst of it. So absolutely, worship is definitely a weapon. It's a weapon in spiritual warfare because worship takes our minds off the problem and puts it on the one who can solve the problem. That's why worship is an excellent weapon in spiritual warfare because it, it, it changes our focus. It takes the focus off of what I'm going through and onto the one who can change the situation. And a lot of what you're speaking about in finding our purpose, in worshiping, in spiritual warfare, so much of it is taking the focus of ourselves, and, and that's such a trap in our, in our Western world, and in fact, right around the world, we are trapped into believing that it is about us. We hear advertising that says that we're worth it, and yet we realize that we're only worthy because of who we worship, not because of who we are. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And Rodney, you just touched a little bit on stewardship. You just touched a little bit on that because everything that we have belongs to him. Stewardship is not just about money. Stewardship is in our worship as well. Because we recognize that everything we have belongs to God. The arms I raise, my hands, what I use to play my instrument during the worship experience, when I when I sing, when I use my voice, all of that belongs to God. It all belongs to him. And that's so you, you just touched on stewardship a little bit there. Because everything we have literally belongs to him. And we owe him. God doesn't owe us anything. We owe him. Donna, I just touched on the, the fact that you had written a book almost 10 years ago, but you've written yeah. many more since. You're yeah. also writing a blog regularly and appearing on, on radio, on podcasts. Yeah. I imagine that there would be people who have been listening today and think, I need to get more in touch. I need to find out more of what Donna's about because this is really triggering some things for me. What is the best place for people to go to find you and connect with you? There's a couple of ways. They can go to my website, DonnaReneePatrick.com. My books are on my website as well. My books are there. So now if they go to Amazon, if they search me on Amazon, they can get a sample for example, of at all times. If they search at all times on Amazon, they can get a couple of sample chapters of the book. But all of my books are on my website, DonnaReneePatrick.com. They can also reach out to me, Rodney, on Facebook. I'm on Facebook at DonnaReneePatrickMA. I'm also on LinkedIn under the same name. All of my social media handles are the same, Donna Renee Patrick. And if they choose to send me an email, they're certainly welcome to do that. Donna Renee Patrick at gmail.com. And Renee is spelled R E N A Y. Reach out to me. I would be happy to talk to them. And I will put links in the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net. If you missed any of those links or any of those URLs, just go to the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net and you'll be able to make that connection. Donna, it has been an absolute delight to talk to you. There's so much more we could discover, but I think we'll leave it there for the moment. And I'm looking forward to uh, finding out more about this adventure that you're on in leading people (laughs) towards worship and leading people towards our great God. Thank you for your time on Bleeding Daylight today. Rodney, thank you for having me. I so appreciate you. And I love the title of your podcast, Bleeding Daylight. And when I read, I was so intrigued by the description of it. So congratulations on the success of Bleeding Daylight and you as a podcast host. I appreciate you, my brother. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.